1: Let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Guys, here we are again. It's the Working Fans Podcast. We are about to talk some wrestling. Let's get it on. It's myself, AJ, and as always, the Working Fan.
2: Days. All right. So, time is recording. We're a couple days out from Halloween, and it got me thinking about Halloween Havoc, one of my favorite old-school pay-per-views. And I was going to ask you about this. I realized this card was headlined by Terry Funk and the Great Muta versus Ric Flair and Sting. And I thought to myself, although those guys are all really great, and I'm sure they tore the house down, it was a tag match. And we don't have a lot of tag main events on major pay-per-views anymore. No, we don't. And that made me think about enhancement talent and stuff like that, too. We don't have a lot of those matches anymore. No, we don't. Did we get spoiled at some point?
1: Yes, we did. Yeah. I believe the attitude error, unfortunately, one of the things that they're missing out on right now is the fact that they took away our ability to build acts, to build wrestlers. And one of the ways they did that was by giving us almost every match meaning something and being a main event compared to the <coughs> old days when we were lucky enough to have some enhancement talent along the way who could make these wrestlers look bigger and better than they actually were. And it gave the wrestlers a chance to work in front of an audience building them up and getting them ready for when they did have the big match.
2: To me, there's nothing better better than a build. A slow burn. And I don't know if, uh, I don't even know if that would translate as well in today's market, you know, this era too that we live in. I don't know if we could talk to like younger fans in particular and go, hey, you want to wait four months for this match just to build? Like, these guys are not even going to touch each other and it's going to come in this giant pay-per-view. But in four months... Four months coming down the road here. I I think it
1: could still work. I know they have the short attention spans, but I think that if you kept two people away from each other, especially in the WWE, where now you have two very separate, very decisive shows, if you had people bantering back and forth, one from Raw, one from SmackDown, we can't get our hands on each other, these two products are only going to touch so often, you could build a storyline where you could build up enough passion and hatred to make people want to tune into that fight
2: sure sure now can yeah.
1: the wwe do that
2: absolutely not you don't have any trust in their booking ability not know? even a bit right right yeah i mean that's what's kind of interesting to me another thing i want to talk to you about this week i would addressed this with joe too marco stunt nice guy uses a lot of aerial maneuvers cornet rent went on a horrible rant about this poor kid this week but uh you're like me you like your wrestling a little more legitimate. You're even more than me. Like I'm a fan of like Mysterio and some of the Lucha stuff. You're not as big a fan of that. That being said, Marco's not even looking legitimate compared to like a guy with red. And that doesn't mean the guy can't work or have a match, but given his size and stature and his style of wrestling you like, what are some of your opinions on that? We're not, we're not insulting the person. I want to make that clear. We're not insulting the person.
1: No, Marco Dunn has a right to apply his trade, as does every other uh, mini luchador. <laughs> I think that uh, when his wrestling is not horrible. It's just unbelievable. Right. He gets in there, and almost everything is a Three Stooges fest when he gets into the match because they have to do such ridiculous things to make it believable. And I'm not Martin, like you said, I'm not knocking him as a person. Right. I'm sure he's a very nice kid, and when he gets back to his freshman year, he's going to do wonderful in high school. Now, let
2: me ask you that, though. Now, is that part of his... Is it part of the problem of his character? Because Darby Allin's a real small kid, too. But because of his character, and I'm not saying he's as small as Marco, but he's certainly smaller than some of the luchadors. Well, well, here's the other problem.
1: Not only are you taking this person who's small, yeah. his tag team partner is small.
2: Well, not compared to him. <laughs>
1: Jungle Boy is tiny. Uh-huh. And now you're taking Marco Stunt, who's even smaller, and you're making them into a team. And then you put him next to Luchasaurus... Who's a giant and they look literally like his
2: children. Again, I wanted to bring this up here. Like Darby Allen is a guy who's a little shorter, but you like Darby. Is a part of that his character? The way Darby portrays himself as opposed to Marco Stunt, who they kind of portray like a child. To a well,
1: way. here's also the thing about Marco Stunt. So far in his matches, he really hasn't been bumping. Mm-hmm. How many really tremendous bumps have you actually seen him take? People are taking care of him. They're, they're, not, they're going out of their way not to hurt him. Now, what do they do with Darby Allin? Darby Allin, they beat the living shit out of him in every goddamn match. He goes in there, takes a beating for 20 minutes, and then comes back, and the way they've built him up is surviving these beatings. Marco Stunt, they're literally treating like he's a child.
2: So, do you, for you, Darby's character, and then, uh, and that probably does have a lot to do with the person, too, but... It's betraying him as a tougher individual. It makes you a little more believable. And
1: that's exactly what it is. It's all on how you book someone. Okay. Look, it's perception is reality. We've talked about this on other sure. shows. You have some wrestlers out there who might be tough as nails or might not be tough as nails, but we don't know because of the way they're being perceived. Right. Braun Strowman is perceived as a giant and sure. as a tough guy and people are believing the fight that he might have against um, this professional boxer Tyson Fury because of the way he's actually been booked.
2: But me and I, me and you both know that this was a legit shoot fight. Tyson Fury Fury's probably got back. Knock back. Him out. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, if you're that close in size and one's a professionally trained boxer
2: and one's got no combat sports training, I mean, I'm,
1: I'm six foot three. I'm two hundred eighty pounds. Sure. If I get into a fight with a legitimate boxer who's five ten and two hundred pounds of muscle, guess what? I'm gonna get my ass kicked. Yeah. And it's not because I don't know how to fight.
2: He's it's because trained. he's
1: a trained professional
2: fighter. Yeah. There's a big difference now how people don't get especially you know, they get some of the armchair quarterbacks at these bars i have been to UFC cards and they'll say oh, things. Oh god. Like, why don't they why don't they keep going? You know, like why, why is he stopping? It's like, well probably 'cause he doesn't wanna get hit, motherfucker. Like that's not how this works. Like he's just not you know, they're not running in there just throwing reckless punches. You might do that.
1: You have you have guys that are legitimate badasses out there in wrestling that have really great backgrounds. You've got obviously your Brock Lesnar's your Matt Riddles you got Big Bacon, Brad Hollister, who's got a tremendous amateur background.
2: Reminds me of one of the Steiner brothers almost back in the heyday. Oh, absolutely. He I like oh that.
1: God, I love the way he throws somebody. We saw the stadium show at um, Dodd Stadium, not last year, but the year before. With Brad, uh, it was, Matt Riddle. Exactly. Yeah. Matt Riddle versus Brad Hollister. Super impressive. Man. And if you're looking for a match where people were sitting there going, this is fucking legit, these two guys are beating the shit out of each other, that was the match you wanted to see. And so to bring it back full circle, Because that's what I'm a fan of, I'm never going to get behind Marco Stunt. Does that mean I don't wish him the best? Sure. Absolutely, I wish him the best. I get it. And I'm not going to go off on him like Cornette uh, Cornette did, but do I think there's a place for him in wrestling? Sure. Yeah. Do I think that the place Maybe that in your
2: wrestling.
1: Yeah. Do I think that there's a place for him at the level that he's at right now? Mm. I don't think so. I don't think that's where he's at.
2: Now, that got me thinking. And, again, this is something I talked to Joe a little about, too. Big men in wrestling doesn't seem like it's as prominent anymore, too. Now, obviously, small guys have, you know, the thing, and most smaller men can work, and it's exciting, and that's part of it. But do you think, I mean, back in the day, a lot of football players would end up being pro wrestlers. You know, now I see a lot of MMA guys going to pro wrestling. But I saw this video online the other day they reminded me I forgot about where Undertaker was asked in an interview if he had done, if he would have done MMA back in the day and he said safe bath well there is MMA around now too and do you think that that takes away from some of the big men in pro wrestling maybe not a huge factor but is it, is it taken away from some of the scope now wait a
1: minute you say that but I just saw a match on NXT this week where two big men had maybe the match of the night with Keith Lee and I Dijakovic there well, okay and, and now I'm not saying they're in the majority now but I think one of the problems also is what are the feeding grounds right now for professional wrestling? The feeding grounds right now are a tremendous independent wrestling that we have going on right now. True. And if I go to a show, and I go to an independent show, I'm a giant on those shows. Yeah. Whereas back in the day when I started wrestling, if I went to those shows, I was middle of the road. Right. And that's that says something about the size difference.
2: I will say this too. Uh, I think Scott Hall said something about being down at NXT working with these guys now that they're a little bigger and teach them how to work like big men. And maybe that's the thing now that NXT they're finally getting around to, but maybe that's not so prominent in a lot of other areas. Well, too. I think
1: that's also a bit of an illusion, is that we think that people aren't quite as big. When you look at the way these guys work, like right. Scott Hall said, I think we have a tendency of thinking of them not as big as they do. Look at the guys who were big that we remember who... We never actually thought of them as big because of how well they worked. Billy Gunn could throw a dropkick and could work his ass off in the ring. Right. And because of that, we never thought of him as that big. Billy Gunn's two inches, three inches taller than I am.
3: Yeah.
1: And he's built. And he's built. So you're talking about a guy who is a legitimate, large human being who we just never thought of that way. And I think part of it now, look at Randy Orton. Randy Orton's not a little guy. True. Uh, so you have people who can really work out there.
2: There are a lot of bigger guys still in WWE. I'm on the indies as much? But
1: I think in the indies You can't really have
2: Those bigger guys
1: Because Vince If you're a bigger guy And you work well That's true Vince is going to Throw money at you And you're going to Be sucked up
2: Although MLW has David Boy Smith Jr. And Jacob Fatu but, but
1: once again They're in a
2: contract once, yeah.
1: yeah Well David Boy also Worked for the WWE And they yeah. didn't know What the fuck to do with him
2: Right right.
1: And so that's why he ended up Going over to Japan Working in Japan Which
2: was probably The best thing for him
1: well, Same thing with Lance Archer yeah. Lance Archer Ended up working in Japan Big guy over there winning championship after championship because they know what to do with a guy that's
2: big and can work. Now, as far as North America goes, let's go with that for a second. Who do you see as one of the next big stars, potentially, in WWE or AEW? Wow. Someone who's not signed. You know, maybe... you know,
1: I already mentioned Brad Hollister. Obviously, I'm a big fan of his. I think that once the knee gets healed, he's a person who can go anywhere because of his size and because of his ability but to me, there are two guys right now that are not in either one of those that should be and deserve it. And I don't know if they're going to get the chance. Uh, Matt Cross is a little bit closer to my age. Yeah. And uh, it's a shame because you talk about a guy who deserves a national spotlight or even a na- uh, international spotlight. Matt Cross is as good as anybody out there. Right. The other one, quite frankly, is JT
2: Dunn. Yeah, he's got a lot of skills.
1: Uh, so you're talking about a skill set unlike anybody else's. And those three guys, if you go to any independent show in the country and you see their names at the top of the marquee working together or working with other people, you know you're going to get a hell of a show. Now, Doug is working with Impact
2: now, and it's just a question. Hopefully, maybe Impact can take off. We don't know. know. It's a survivor.
1: Yeah, and it is. It's good to see him getting that opportunity.
2: We're talking about... Yeah, national.
1: But once again, how how national is Impact?
2: Right, We yeah, exactly. Right. That's, that's Even the, when it gets on access, it's not like everybody has access. And
1: I'm not trying to knock Impact, as you know. I, watch, no, you're a fan. I I watch Impact every week. I've been to live shows for Impact. I absolutely love Impact. But to put them on the same level as AEW or WWE, to me, would be delusional.
2: Like I said, we're taping around Halloween. Made me think of L.A. Park. L.A.
1: Park, yeah. He's
2: going to be wrestling for the MLW Jacob heavyweight Jacob that yeah. What do you think about this career resurgence? You I guys mean, a different look now. You got a big belly, as Dusty Rhodes would say. look, well, he's bad, and you know it.
1: Well, first of all, the original chairman of WCW, yeah. L.A. Park. This is a guy who's reinvented himself. He's taken the time to actually create something that's relevant to a whole other crowd who wouldn't have known who he was. Half these kids that are cheering for him now down in MLW weren't alive when he actually was wrestling in WCW and wouldn't know that. So for him to reinvent himself and make himself relevant to a whole other generation of wrestlers, and not just luchadores. We're not talking about like he went down to Mexico and reinvented himself in his home country. Yeah, he went everywhere. You're talking about a guy who has LA Park now is relevant everywhere.
2: And his redevelopmental so business all badass.
1: And to be honest with you, to me, MLW mm. has passed Impact. You, oh, have, yeah. you have, to me, the order of major organizations are still obviously WWE and all their NXTs, yeah, AEW, then MLW, then Impact, and then probably Ring of Honor. Even Ring of Honor is being chased a little bit. I um, feel that, quite frankly, L.A. Park should get the belt put on him.
2: I mean, that's interesting. I'm not going to go with that. I like Jacob Fatu, but I think like definitely uh, L.A. Park. It, it should be a good match, and I'm my, excited he's in this My picture.
1: reason for wanting to put the belt on L.A. Park, and I'll be honest with you, is that I feel as a champion,
2: yeah.
1: with him the way he is right now, you will have so many people, including Jacob Fatu, where it would be awesome to watch them chase him.
2: It is interesting, and there's a lot of Spanish community in the Chicago crowds, and he's super over. And oh, they're yeah. going to be in Chicago for this pay-per-view, too. But so. he's
1: definitely not supernova.
2: <laughs> he's not He's not supernova. Oh. All right, let's finish this up. NXT versus AEW. Each week, I've been watching both at the same time because I just have not wanted to pick a winner. And at the end of the day, I think you've made a choice. You pick an AEW. <laughs>
1: uh, I am a bigger fan of AEW at this point than I am NXT. And... Well...
2: Let me ask you that, though. Well, let me ask you a couple things first. Let's start off with this. Do you feel that NXT is unfortunately... A lot of fans, a lot of people who are fans of NXT that are now, because NXT is against AEW, have kind of turned on NXT a little bit. Not to the point, like, oh, I hate NXT, but, like, we're going to watch AEW... Because that's WWE.
1: Well, I was going to say, I'm going to be honest with you. I think some of the biasness does come from the fact that NXT is linked to WWE. Right. I think if NXT is a separate product and a separate entity all its own. Right. I think that you would get more people. But there's been a drop-off on NXT. There has and to me, I think part of the problem is, is that while their main matches are as good as AEW's, that they're lacking some of that in-between matches.
2: Well, you know, I'm going to say I see what you're saying, but I kind of like the way it's... me, it's like NXT's giving me a little more what I want in terms of building up something. Now, there's a few more... There's going to be an enhancement match here and there. We're not seeing an in AEW. But then again, if you're going to open the show, we both agree maybe enhancement matches are not a bad thing sometimes once in a while. No,
1: and it's not, but the difference but is... But it's not easy to draw your attention,
2: to be fair, too. But
1: the difference is also NXT, once again... You're talking about storylines that people already had in a time period. Most of the people that are tuning into NXT already have the WWE Network. And they are aware of what NXT is, what the storylines have been. The people who are tuning into AEW every week uh, were doing the Road 2 stories on YouTube and stuff like that. And you're not talking about actual storylines. So so over a three-week course so far, they've had to literally build from scratch storylines that matter.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. is in the more position where they have to kind of like... They have to play catch-up a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's very hard to actually go out there and build up a product without putting on spectacular wrestling.
2: And let, me, let me put it to you like this, too. One of the reasons why I chose kind of lean towards NXT a little bit on a personal note is I kind of feel for them. To me, they're kind of the underdog in this situation. Even though they have a WWE link to them, the WWE isn't the underdog. But NXT is the underdog, all right? Hear me out. Because people have started... that fan base we're going with AEW we're not going with NXT because NXT is linked to WWE now if this was AEW versus Raw I'd pick AEW all day long I love Cody versus Dustin it was one of my favorite matches in the last 10 years but man my boys NXT I love they've been so good to me they were my one bright spot I feel like I'm turning my back on them
1: Okay, first of all, your one bright spot was 205 Live.
2: Fuck 205 (laughs) Oh, no, you know what? That's not fair. You did enjoy 205 Live. Here's the thing about 205 Live. I've been saying this for a while. Them being on NXT now, while having an all-cruiserweight match, is going to be better, well-received. And it has been so far. Fair?
1: Uh, Yeah, and I'm hoping with the draft that we see more Buddy Murphy.
2: Although I will say this. I'm pretty sure... You wouldn't have put Leo Rush over Drew Gulak if I know. I
1: would never put Leo Rush over anyone.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's the uh, to me. Leo Rush is what's wrong
2: with this business. Okay, okay. All, okay. So this, now we're going back to the smaller guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not even
1: knocking him for his size. Yeah. Leo Rush is a great worker, yeah. but he, he comes across from everything that I've seen as very me-oriented and huh? not about the team.
2: Well, we'll see. You know, he's been away for a while. He's come back, and hopefully... uh, I like
1: uh, to think that what they're doing right now with Bobby and Lana was actually going to be Bobby and Leo actually eating in the restaurant, hanging out. Yeah, sure. But when it comes to NXT versus AEW, thus far, I just think AEW has done a great job, A, with Jack Swagger, or Jack Hagar. Jake Hager. Jake Hager, sorry. Yeah,
2: I mean, that's a guy WWE kind of fucked up, and they're kind of, like, rebuilding.
1: I would say. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. WWE screwed up tremendously with him. Yeah. Between him and, quite frankly, Drew um, McIntyre, I think, are two of their biggest screw-ups in the last 10 years. They could have made both of them into monsters. Hell, WWE could have made Drew McIntyre into a monster just within the last year.
2: They still got a shot. He just came back last night. He wanted to look good. When well, he
1: first came up and was doing yeah, what he was doing, they yeah. could have made him into a monster heel and the WWE completely dropped the ball on him. He them. could have
2: been already in the world title picture.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's the only bigger screw up I've seen is what they've done with the most talented person on their whole roster, Bray Wyatt. Oh, okay.
2: I thought you were going to say Cesaro actually, but Oh god, don't
1: even get me going on Cesaro. <laughs> Holy shit, the only reason I don't mention Cesaro is because the WWE I don't even think knows he's under contract anymore. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, you have the Swiss Cyborg, the guy who literally can have a match with a freaking potted plant and make it look good. He's
2: the guy, actually, I hope goes to NXT. Oh, oh,
1: please send him to NXT. If anything, let him and Mike Bennett go so they can go somewhere and actually wrestle.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Now I'm just talking about things that piss me off, though. If we're going to do that, oh, my God, this is
2: going to take a while. All right, I think on that note, we're going to wrap this
1: up. Thank you very much, as always, for tuning in. You can find us on all the major platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on YouTube. Subscribe. Hit that. find give us a five-star review. We really need it. It makes all the difference in the world. We're just three fans trying to get it done at the end of the day. I wrestled, Dave's always been a fan, and we got producer, Joe. And between the three of us, it's a labor of love, and every review really helps us out. So thank you very much for that. Please tune in next week. We'll be back with a whole new podcast. We really appreciate it. Hit us up on Twitter, and thank you very much.
2: All right, everybody! It's the Working Fans Podcast with AJ Strangebrew and the man they call Dave, and today we're back with AJ versus Dave, and I got a good one for you, AJ. Oh my! Your favorites, the lightweights. Who is the oh. better? Who is the better junior heavyweight of all time? Rey Mysterio or Jushin Thunder Liger? Oh wow! Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so. oh, wow. Wow. I'll let you just kick off. I mean, I got some feedback from some people we'll probably include in here, but let's hear what you got to say. It's a tough one.
1: All right, so both of these guys, revolutionary in their styles. Both of them, obviously great runs, but I like and Liger better.
2: Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> I, I know that's a big surprise. Not a big surprise to me. I, I know you very well. <laughs> Jushin
1: Liger, both of them, first of all, extremely long careers. Mm-hmm. Ray, I believe, is heading towards the, I want to say the 25, 26 year mark, maybe longer. Mm. Liger, I believe, started in the late 80s, mm. so I know he re- recently retired, but you're talking about over a 30 year career. To me, Liger was the benchmark. He was the person who made lightweight wrestling interesting again. His matches that he had with Brad Armstrong, Brian Pillman, Tom Zink early on in the light heavyweight division in WCW. And then he continued to evolve through the years. I mean, I I have a soft spot for him. He basically was a cartoon character come to life. And I think a lot of what Rey Mysterio, even though he came from Mexico, did with Pattern, some of the cartoon, because he used the marble,
2: the cartoon oh, yeah.
1: characters in his gear. Superhero. That. I think if you were to ask him who some of his role models were, I'm pretty sure Liger would probably be on that list because mm. he, he did have a similar style. I think that Rey Mysterio, because he's been on WWE TV, reached a lot, probably a farther audience. Sure. To be honest with you, Liker is literally considered as a god in Japan, and... Anytime he
4: came to the States and did anything, it was a special occasion. What's your take, Dick? Okay,
2: so I'm leaning towards Mysterio, but here's let me let me give you some background first. First off, before I say raise the legend in Mexico to come on what you're saying too, about Liger being a god in Japan, they have cartoons of him and some other wrestlers too. They have comic books. But Liger is one of those guys that he is just like, I, would, I don't want to say Hogan-like over there, but he is very big in Japan, an um, absolute megastar. I would even say that Liger's popularity in Japan, I'm guessing, probably rivals Mysterio's popularity in Mexico. But not by I'm saying like Ray's super popular in Mexico, but that's how popular Liger is in Japan.
1: Yeah, I think he's probably second only right now. Uh, if I had to guess, probably second only to Inoki. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. Muda's in that conversation, yeah. you have that. For the legendary status, Yeah, I think like it's probably second only to
2: Inoki, maybe My- Bobo. Mysterio would probably, I mean, I'm thinking of famous wrestlers in Mexico. You got a few though, Del Santo, you know, Paraguayle, even Conan's probably on that list.
1: Uh, Conan is
2: <laughs> huge. Yeah.
1: Huge. You got to remember, he at one time was a soap opera star yeah. and a wrestler at the same time. Yeah. In Mexico,
2: I would say, but,
1: but but by no means a light
2: heavyweight. No, I would say uh, the thing with Ray is though is that he was probably a decent star in Japan, probably the equivalent to what Liger was in Mexico. We'll call that a wash. But you're right. Ultimately, he had the bigger platform. But not just in WWE. They were both in WCW, but I feel like that Mysterio shined a little more in WCW. He was obviously on there more. Yeah, he didn't have the run, like you said, the early runs with Pillman and those guys, but his match with Milenko, and even <laughs> getting thrown like a lawn dart. <laughs> you know, these are all memorable things now. And, you know, well, he just... ECW run. His ECW, where he started in the United States yeah. when he first
1: came over. Yes, Absolutely tremendous run, and to be Honest with you, if you want to see great matches, it's obviously a far different Rey Mysterio through ECW and WCW where he was much younger. People forget how young he was. What was he, 14 when he started? Something like that?
3: Yeah. And, yeah. and,
1: and, And his body, you can see the mega difference between Rey Mysterio early 2000s WWE and Rey Mysterio when he was, looked like he was maybe 110 pounds in ECW.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the things about, like, Ray, too, is a lot, I mean, obviously the big difference is he did have the WWE platform, and he won the world title which is unheard of, really, a guy his size winning no, the we, world we, title. We,
4: we need to talk about that world title. Yeah, I doubt he <laughs> did <it. laughs> Well,
2: actually, he held world title a couple times, even though one of them was a shorter reign. And I know <laughs> the reign you want to talk about is that very first one he did. Do you think
4: the first one happens if Eddie Guerrero
2: doesn't pass away? Maybe not, but, I mean, boy, they didn't do him any favors even with the booking. It was like the world champion lost almost all the matches, it felt like, at that point. But, that's,
1: but that's what I'm saying is that it's not like they were trying to get him over. Afterwards are mm-hmm. looking at him strong as the world's champion. They literally, I think, hey. We want to reach out to this portion of the crowd who's upset that Eddie Guerrero just passed away.
2: How can we make them happy? Let's put the belt on Rey Mysterio. Well, I'll tell you what, though. There's still something there. You know Vince wouldn't just do that anyway. You know what I mean? Like, no, he's the, no, no, no. And yeah. I'm
1: not saying he's not a draw. I'm not saying yeah. Well, it, it, his believability is just not
2: that of a world's champion. See, now, that's what's interesting. Is uh, <laughs> This is where I think a little bit of the biasness comes in here. <laughs> because that's... I'm, that's been your I problem, Ray, have, for I you. I wouldn't have put the world title on Liger, either. No, I know you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying you're wrong, but it's just funny because that's one of the things about I've heard from a lot of wrestlers I want to say like Edge, Batiste, and everybody have talked about is that Ray, even despite his size because of the stories he tells in the ring, actually becomes off believable. I think you would disagree with that, Sal, because you always <laughs> saw, saw him as a small child, and you don't like short uh, people.
1: No, for me, in order, in order for Ray Mysterio... To be believable in the ring,
2: they basically
1: had turned it into a Three Stooges movie of accidents, where the person eventually trips, falls on the ropes,
2: and gets kicked in the face. Now. To be fair, too, for the audience doesn't know AJ would have the same believability problem with Liger if Liger was beating bigger men yes. all the time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. If you put Liger in there with the Big
1: Show and are trying to convince me that he's going to beat the Big Show, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's going to be hard.
2: <laughs> now,
1: when Ray Mysterio was wrestling against an Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle, how the
2: hell am I supposed to believe that? Much like last week, so we reached out to the people, and uh, obviously like we do every week. This one was uh, not really close, but we everybody pretty much went with Mysterio. However, this was a lot more, much more uh, people didn't want to pick between these two. Now, there was one guy who picked Liger, and he was our star of the show last week, <laughs> Mr. Scott from Ballantown. And I'm going to include a little bit of his stuff. He went so long, I'm not going to include everything. But he did pick Liger, and I just want to include the first part of this. I- this is how people feel about Liger and Ray. I just want to start by saying that I still hate you for making me choose between these all-time greats. <laughs> but I'll give you the short version. This was not a short version. He went with Liger because he said that the man's in-ring could start when I could barely old enough to know what Thunder was. He created a shooting star press, even he created a shooting star press, even though Brock Lesnar perfected the move by landing directly on top of his head for maximum damage. <laughs> I never saw Liger pull that one off. He evolved from being an innovative high flyer into a more well-rounded grapper and storyteller. And we forgot to mention this, after he had a brain tumor surgery. Yeah. yeah, And Scott also lets us know, he said, you know what I would do after having brain tumor removed? Probably not continue to work a sport where I might take shots in the head. (laughs) Maybe it was best he didn't try that Brock Lesnar shooting star press. (laughs) He also even had the balls to step in as a replacement to fight Minoru Suzuki in a legit shoot fight. Pancras. <laughs> and he said it didn't go well for him, but I don't think I'd be crazy enough to fight Minoru Suzuki on life support. <laughs> so, I'd love to see Rey Mysterio do that. I don't think Ray's going to do that either. <laughs> I mean, it's funny though. I've heard that Ray's not afraid to throw down with people if he had to. He's not crazy like Eddie was. Apparently, Eddie would like throw down with anybody, including Kurt Angle at one point, yeah. over something. And they're like, Eddie, why did you try to take Kurt Angle down? He's an Olympic wrestler. <laughs> he's like, ah, I was pissed.
1: Larry like said, obviously we have respect for both of them. I agree with Scott. It's great to actually have a voice of <laughs> reason in, in, in this sea of mediocrity.
2: <laughs> At the end... <laughs> Most of us just felt that Ray ended up transcending what a cruiserweight was. That he ended up being the face of the cruiserweight and the light heavyweight stuff. He still. did, but this debate was who is the better um, light heavyweight wrestler. I, would, I guess depends on define Great. I should have been a little more specific. <laughs> I see what you're doing here. All right. Well, at the end of the day, I mean, look, I'll, I'll put Ray and Liger skills right up on each other all the time. Both great high flyers, technical wrestlers. Yes. Yeah. Both can get it done on the mat. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day. Dave, at the
1: end of the day, I agree with you. You Ray was the biggest star. 1A and 1B no matter which one you pick in this discussion if you're talking about great light heavyweights of all time I mean we can have a discussion as to who transcended it the original light heavyweight for me who transcended wrestling is the Dynamite Kid (laughs) (laughs) the Dynamite Kid talking about assholes (laughs)
2: that's
1: Um, from a prior episode (laughs) you had Tiger Mask then obviously you had Eddie and Benoit Mm. before Benoit got juiced to the gills (laughs) where they wrestled as the Pegasus Kid and as what was it, Black Cat? Is that what Eddie yeah. Guerrero wrestled with? Yes. And then to see, so obviously it transcended through the years. But when you talk about light heavyweights and you talk about the two greatest of all time, and you're not talking about Brad Armstrong,
2: <laughs> then you gotta talk about. <laughs> no one talks about Brad Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> they He's shit. great. He's great. He is great.
1: And, and when you listen to any wrestler from oh, yeah. that time period talk about who the great wrestlers are, almost everybody mentions Brad Armstrong. Sure, I know. However, when you talk about Liger and you talk about Rey Mysterio, my preference obviously is Liger. Scott's preference is Liger. The rest of you ninnies,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Rey Mysterio. But but it's one A and one B, and you can't lose with either one. All right, everybody, that's going to be it for the Working Fans Podcast. We're out. Hold on a second. Yeah, this is Dave and AJ for the Working Fans Podcast. Going to talk a little wrestling with you guys. AJ, how you doing? Good man.
1: I'm looking forward to another week of uh, wrestling here.
2: Yeah, there was some good stuff this week. You know, we're we're talking right now, recording the day after the Wednesday Night Wars, and how to say a quote. I believe it was Brian Alvarez. I heard this. NXT has become the work rate show for me, whereas AEW is sports entertainment. It's good sports entertainment, but and it's definitely better than anything Raw and SmackDown are doing in terms of sports entertainment. Although those shows are getting some of those shows are getting better sometimes as well, but NXT has truly been an alternative for me. It's been more wrestling based, and the stuff that happened last night, where Keith Lee, especially at the end, where uh, there was a six man, and you know he did. Bauer got involved, and at the end of it, Lee still managed to triumph. And he just looked like a bigger star to me. It was just chaos and scores to win for him and Champa and Dijak, and now we're looking at. Lee versus Ciampa versus Bauer, with the whatever it's called. It's just like it's a really good wrestling show.
1: Not only that, but you had a great brawl between Kylie Ray and Mia. Yim. Yeah, and Mia AM. So you're talking about another great fight there where they literally fought all around the building. Then you have the surprise match of Grimes versus Kushida.
2: Yeah, surprise. It's kinda of funny because I ended up watching the rest of that this morning. Yeah. I had work going on and I saw a text mute that said Kushida versus Grimes, and I was like, alright, cool, and then I get to that segment, and I see Raul Mendoza coming out, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute, in literally been seconds, you just see Grimes jump out of nowhere and plant his feet on Mendoza, and I'm like, well, alright, I guess that didn't last long. All
1: you guys don't realize here is that there was a moment where Dave's sitting there thinking, did AJ really yeah. think that Mendoza was Grimes?
2: I just thought he ruined this Raul Mendoza moment for me. I was so excited to see Raul Mendoza versus Kushida. But, but Grimes will do too. But just from the
1: beginning of the card till the end, it was great wrestling all around once again in NXT. Now, in fairness to NXT, this is what they've been since they started. Yes, they have. Even when they were just the one-hour block on the WWE Network, network, which you can still get for $9.99 each month, and watch all of their pay-per-views, free plug, there you go. It was about the wrestling. And the fact that they haven't changed who they are, and that they're sticking with that, is the reason why they're getting over the way they are.
2: I would agree. And, you know, honestly, I think, if anything, to me, in terms of a wrestling product, their show just feels like a faster, hotter-paced show since they've gone two hours. And since they've gone two hours, more people are getting a chance to get over, too. It's been very beneficial.
1: And now AEW feels like I was on a dating website and they told me that they were one thing and I get there and it's a 300-pound 300, 300 chip. <laughs> they were supposed to be all about the wrestling. They were going to continue to be that way. Hey, listen to us. We're going to follow our rankings. Everything's going to be like a legit sport and we're going to focus on the wrestling. And now they've done a good job with the rankings. They do keep track of the yes. rankings each week. However, they're giving us sports entertainment. It's, right. not, it's not as bad as SmackDown or Raw. No, They are still giving us good wrestling in between. I think Ray Phoenix stole the show last night.
2: And that's because their storylines make sense, yeah. too. And they're consistent.
1: Yeah, and Christopher Daniels, they did give us good wrestling in there. Yes. Where he looked like he was 20 years old again. We are getting very good wrestling in between. Dustin Rhodes, Fountain of youth.
2: Dustin Rhodes looks phenomenal. Absolutely, to me, the old guys are killing it. On AEW, Jericho, Dustin, Cody—not that Cody's old—but you get what I'm saying. The more established town, they're the ones that have just like been awesome to watch with this so far. What did you What did you think of the ladies' match? I thought that Chris Statlander looked great. I've seen a lot of her before. I'm kind of biased. I really like her, and I was happy to see them pull off up the upset. And I was more glad that she didn't just bow down and cut her hair to Awesome Kong. At the same time, it was nice that nobody looked bad there. That random woman that came out at the end, though. I'm a little confused by that. We'll see where that's going. Kind of reminds me of the Straight Edge Society back in the day. exactly. That's what I was thinking.
1: She also looked familiar, but I couldn't put my finger on who that is. No, yes. I tried looking up today to see if maybe it was one of the local talent or something of that nature. But I couldn't find it. Ads of this recording. I'm gonna keep digging into that. <laughs> I do want to talk the Nyla Rose situation. I think that it's great that they did put her over as a monster, putting the ref through the table. Putting what was the other young lady's name? Stephanie? Shayna. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, Shana. They put her through the table. She did beat the living crap out of the young lady that she was wrestling. Also, yeah. yeah. So. It's a good way to get somebody over, and now they're putting her on suspension, from what I understand, for the next few weeks for hitting the officials.
2: They are following up with this. I don't know if you saw AEW Dark this week. Jimmy Havoc was wrestling Brandon Cutler, and (coughs) Jimmy Havoc, in storyline at least, apparently was fined $10,000 for using a stapler. So at the end of this match, Jimmy wins, and he staples a $10,000 check to Brandon Cutler. (laughs) And and, And I said afterwards in the back, he said, you know who you hired. And
1: once again, like we talked about with Continuity, they're doing a good job with that. I'm not going to get into my stance on the whole Nyla Rose and stuff like that. I figure that's for another podcast that's trying to be more cutting edge. The situation is they are building it correctly.
2: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm super excited to see where a lot of the stuff AEW is still going. They're not pulling me away. It's just that... It's really weird that the WWE, even though it's not a typical, it's not a Vince McMahon product, is kind of killing it in the wrestling department yeah. right now.
1: What What do you think of the Cody Rhodes offering basically yeah. everything to get his hands on? Him what I
2: find out with Cody is that no matter what this guy delivers in a promo, much like his father, he turns it to gold.
1: Yeah, you know, no
2: matter what it is, yeah, there's a kid he,
1: in the front row that got hundred dollars.
2: Yeah, and he's super passionate about everything <laughs> he does, and he just delivers. So whatever Cody does, he's going to deliver.
1: Now, I did find it interesting with the... We talked about, you know, obviously during the Statlander match, Awesome Kong comes down with Brandy Rhodes. And Brandy Rhodes actually, I thought, delivered a good promo. I thought her talking about the Nightmare um, Association and how there's different branches of it and how she's the dark side of the branch where she's going in there and actually doing things off to the side that nobody talks about, but they don't mind it being done. is kind of an interesting thing, because if at some point, Cody does let his dark side out and go heal and do whatever, mm-hmm. then they come back around together, and right now they're just, you know, kind of doing their own thing.
2: Right, they set the groundwork for that potentially to happen if they want.
1: Exactly, I don't yeah. think it's a bad storyline, I think it's something that could work. Is it my favorite storyline? Absolutely not. I think the uh, hair thing is very ridiculous. But overall, I thought Brandy did a good job with that.
2: Yeah. AEW, we do have to get, understand, too. They're still a very young company. Yeah. You know, so that's the part of the thing.
1: Well, I think that's something we forget. We forget that NXT, while it's new to cable, has had years mm-hmm. to actually build up.
2: And they have a very, very smart and long-term television brand behind them. they're also
1: not traveling. So you're talking about every week, even though it's only 5,000 seating or whatever it is seating, you're talking about having the same crowd there every week, passionate, cheering for every storyline. Sometimes they almost take over the show with their cheering and stuff of that nature.
2: What I'm interested to see now, though, is now that they've kind of built NXT up as this third brand, will we see more representation of NXT on some of these other pay-per-views, though. Like, not maybe, maybe like a match. Now, I'm not expecting necessarily to see him at the TLC pay-per-view, although I don't know what the hell we're going to see at the TLC pay-per-view, by the way, because they haven't announced a single match for that yet. And I think it's in a week or two. But what I'm curious about is, <clears throat> will we see NXT representation at the Royal Rumble? You know, they're doing the World's Collide event, too? Like, how's this going to work out? And what I think is, if you're building NXT as a third brand... Could the winner of the Royal Rumble challenge for the NXT heavyweight title as well?
1: I I think that's definitely not an option. What if Ciampa goes and wins the Royal Rumble? Right. Is it that point, we know Ciampa wants to stay in NXT, that he Mm. doesn't have interest in going to SmackDown or Raw, but let's say Ciampa wins the Royal Rumble. At that point, can he go after, say, Bray Wyatt?
4: Mm.
1: Right. So I think it's going to be a mixture of NXT because... That's when they bring the brands in together. Survivor Series and Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, obviously, are the three times during the year that they bring the brands together. Royal Rumble, I think you're going to see a mixture in there. Is that when we're going to see Keith Lee finally really shine?
2: Right, I could I mean, see Keith Lee would be a beast in the Royal Rumble. I could definitely see Lee winning the Royal Rumble and maybe challenging Bray Wyatt or something for the belt.
1: Or Brock Lesnar. How about Brock
2: Lesnar, Keith Lee? Oh, now that would be a nice dream match. You're talking about
1: somebody who can legitimately have the size. I mean, at 6'2", 320 pounds, he's a legitimately large guy.
2: Actually, that would be a lot better than the potential match I heard about. The potential matches I heard about for Brock would be, and this isn't the worst one, a third match, well, not really a third match, but, uh, you know, counting their shoot fight with Cain Velasquez. Yeah. And the other one apparently that's been talked about is Brock and Tyson Fury having a match. Oh, Christ. Which I could not see that going well. No that might offense, be
1: the worst possible match ever. Yeah,
2: that can't be good. So I would hope, I mean, if we can get somebody like Keith Lee against Brock, that would be a much better outcome. Well, not only
1: that, but in the Rumble itself, another chance for a matchup between Braun Strowman and Keith Lee.
2: Sure. And like I said, I think that it's definitely going to be great to see what representation. They're still doing takeovers. So maybe it's not a complete switchover where you're going to have NXT and all you know, the main pay-per-view brands, but maybe with the big four, at least, you know, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, and maybe something to consider is when we get to the draft next year, actually mixing up a lot of the talent, but sending some talent to NXT, but then sending some talent up, you know, maybe kind of mixing it more.
1: And now, hmm. last night, they made mention for the first time of the Worlds Collide pay-per-view, yeah. Which, by the way, one of the ones that the WWE trademarked again and refreshed the trademark yes. after um, not being used for so long for WCW. But if I'm starting off that and I want to make a big push for the World's Collide pay-per-view, and am I am I sending a forgotten uh, Cassius Ohno to a right, time in that right. again? <laughs> I, I I think we can do a little bit better. And if there's any one flaw from last night maybe we can do a little bit better on who we send over to uh, Mm -hmm. make that work. And it's not that they had a bad match. It's just it's literally the same match we've seen every time now.
2: Yeah, that was the one thing, too. I don't know, right? They picked Riddle again. Exactly. Like, what good was going to come of that, I thought. Like, I was like, I didn't want to see Riddle lose, but I thought it would have been nice to see Cassius maybe...
1: If you're going to have worlds collide and you have somebody invading... You typically want to have them make a good appearance. Right, right. And attack somebody and beat somebody down.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. That's one thing where I thought NXT uh, missed the boat on. But, I mean, they've already had Imperium, so I guess that might have been the logic, but I would say it brought them back.
1: But Imperium came in with no mention of Worlds Collide. Right. Imperium was just coming in and actually going where they wanted to go with a UK NXT Championship. This, they literally had him interviewed right beforehand and said, I'm here, and if Worlds Collide's coming. Let me give you
2: a little preview. And half
1: the audience went, oh yeah, Cassius ono is on UK. Right, 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 right now." Right.
2: He said he revitalized his <laughs> career, but I don't know. Uh, I I, I, I,
1: no, no. It's I mean, a good
2: show. Now, I don't know if you are watching it, but it's a good fr- show. First
1: of all, I think we can agree that at one point, Chris Hero was a megastar on the independents. Even his first trip through the developmental with the WWE. But... When Chris Hero first started wrestling, he wasn't a 300-pound fat guy.
2: Right, right, right. right.
1: And I'm not knocking his work rate. He still works well, but he's not exactly spending the time in the gym,
2: is he? No, no, definitely not. (laughs) Good segue. Speaking of guys spending a lot of time in the gym, Mr. John Hennigan, Mr. John Morrison... Mr. Johnny Everything. He's on his way back. Yeah,
1: Mr. Johnny Backstage.
2: Johnny Backstage, yeah. Where do you think he's going? What do you think's going on? Well, he could show up anywhere, he really. He could, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, tell me he wouldn't be a great fit in NXT.
2: I'd love... That's what I'd like Johnny to Johnny NXT. I'd love to see. Would him we there.
1: have a battle of the Johnny NXTs? Johnny Gargano, versus uh, Johnny, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Johnny Takeovers, yeah. yeah. But really, he fits in anywhere. Mm. He's obviously not going to bring in who. He's not going to be who they bring in to challenge Brock Lesnar. He's too busy fighting everybody who's horrible. But couldn't you see him come in and go after Bray Wyatt or wrestle? Really, anyone?
2: Yeah, I think the best place for him would be at NXT. He could really shine there, and he could help get some other people. Love over. to see
1: him versus Finn Balor versus Adam Cole. Yeah. Well, the other thing that's great about John Morrison is, is he can work heel or face. It's not set one or the other as to what he has to work. Right, right. It, right. He really has the ability to work either way. By the way, I enjoyed backstage. I know it's not getting the viewership necessarily that they're looking mm. for yet. But I think they're doing a good job with it. I like Booker T on there. I think Paige does a good job of calling people out on stuff. Christian seems a little uncomfortable. Hmm. But I think overall, even Renee Young doing a good job on it.
2: Yeah, and I thought Rollins looked pretty good last night on there. He did,
1: and he came across the right way.
2: Yeah.
1: He didn't come across as whiny. He kind of told us what's going on with the Twitter, where he's coming yeah. from. He did a good job once again of uh, playing off of the CM Punk. Oh, here I am. You guys knew when I was booked to be here, and hmm. I don't see CM Punk right, anymore. Right, right,
2: right, right. Actually, I'll say that's one thing, as far as main roster goes, that I've really liked is the fact that now Seth seems to be going towards his heel turn. It's a much more comfortable fit for him. He seems better on the mic. You know, like, Seth talking down to people and being this insulting guy Seems to be what he's good at.
1: It is, and I would rather them see them embrace that. We've talked to a lot of, we do these interview segments where obviously we've talked to a lot of superstars now, and everybody agrees on the same thing. When you're able to stay closer to who you genuinely are, Mm. it makes for a more riveting interview. If you're a complete prick, then go out there and be a prick. Don't go out there and try and be Mr. Rosie Sunshine because people aren't going to buy it. They're going to see through it, and they're going to think you're fake as shit.
2: Yeah, I would say, and not that I think he's a prick, but one guy that seems to have never really like totally let him be himself is Roman. Yeah. You know, like Roman, and I hate to say it, but like almost like when he got to cancer, that's when they let him be himself. Yeah. And he was the everyman. And then when he came back at first... They let him be himself. But even now, it's they're like they're pulling they, him away again. pulling away again, yeah. I
1: like the fact that every once in a while, you see him make a smart-ass comment.
2: Right. And he's hilarious when he makes those little smart-ass comments. Right. Jericho had talked about this on a podcast before. said something about where Roman Reigns is a cool guy. And a lot of the stuff that they have him do is stuff that he would never do.
1: Yeah. So, it, yeah. And I think the fans see through that, kind of like Cena. Right. I think that... It, did you watch um, Total Divas at all?
2: No. Absolutely
1: not. (laughs) Okay. So when you watch Total Divas and you see the way John Cena actually acted towards Nikki Bella and how much of a control freak he is in his life of how much he needs it to be literally, okay, I'm going from point A to point B to point C, everything's planned out. Boom, 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 boom. I think that gave a little insight as to what John Cena's real personality is. And I'm not saying that Total Divas isn't fixed. I'm sure... You know, as you know, I believe everything's fixed.
2: Right, right, right.
1: So, but I think to a point, John Cena needs everything to be A, B, C, D. I'm in control of everything. Hmm. And I think that one of the things that rubbed fans the wrong way was him doing this. And it's not that he's not a nicer guy, but him trying to always be that super nice guy. Right. Was what the fans saw through. Yeah. And, and I think when you let Cena actually be a little bit of a prick also was when he had much better charisma with the fans. Sure. Yeah.
2: And we Cena, saw that with The Rock. Cena off the cuff has always been a better interview, too. Than the interviews to...
1: with The Rock. Yeah. When he uh, actually yeah. was able to say some things that were dickhead mm-hmm. things to say. Quite frankly, he was far more entertaining Yeah, than coming out and... It's almost like Mick Foley. Mick Foley towards the end of his career came out and all of a sudden it's good to be here in St. Louis. Right, right. Whereas early on in his career when he came out and was just bloodthirsty and saying whatever he thought and was feeling it. Those interviews are some of the best interviews ever.
2: No, Mick is one of the best promos of all time. Early Mick Foley, yeah. Yeah. And and John, yeah, there's definitely times, too. Even, like, I remember he had the feud going with Randy Orton, and they were in Seattle. And it was supposed to be the unification of the belts, the SmackDown, and the fans just started popping for Daniel Bryan and basically taking over the segment. John went over and pulled Daniel Bryan. You can see it wasn't planned. And he said, you know, he asked, he said, uh, any of your parents, superstar, mother or father? And he said, nope. <laughs> and, and he basically wanted to think about how, you know, it's more impressive. This guy isn't a third generation superstar. And he cut this great promo about he'll give him a title shot because he deserves it. And it just the whole thing. When John goes off the script, much better. Much better and, and
1: once again, to go back and bring this back to backstage, I know um, CM Punk is going to be back mm-hmm. on backstage next week. Which, of course, Rollins reacted with, yeah, of course he's going to be here next week when I'm not here. (laughs) But the thing about CM Punk and what made him connect or what made Daniel Bryan connect with the audience was them being real to themselves. Mm. When CM Punk came out and said those things on WWE TV about the glass ceiling, about the pipe bombs, about not being given a chance, those were things that connected because they were things that were really going on or he at least perceived them to be really going on same thing with Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan felt like he was held down because of his size, because of his look, because of, these are legitimate things that he felt were happening. So when he got to speak on that, it was passionate. It wasn't somebody handing him a script, going, alright, this week, Bobby and Rusev, you guys are fighting over Rusev's wife. Go get him!
2: Now, <laughs> one thing I want to talk about before we finish up, or ask you if there's anything else you want to talk about, Let's circle back here, because I uh, had forgotten about this. Oh, more Nyla Rose. No, I don't talk about Nyla Rose. Oh. <laughs> this is great. I want to talk about the ratings. Absolutely. NXT won the second week in a row, but I was more concerned that they both kind of dropped. But it was a holiday week. Now, if you're AEW in particular, when you see your lowest number yet, do you, I say you don't pull the panic button. But like, do you do anything at all, or you just go, let's keep doing what we're okay. doing? First of all, not only was it a holiday week, yeah.
1: That Wednesday was the night before Thanksgiving.
2: Right. Absolutely.
1: Literally the bit, one of the biggest travel days of the year. Right. So you're ta- talking about families not being able to sit there in front of the TV and not being able to... Uh,
2: Actually, and I'll even go a step further. WWE and NXT has like the over 50 audience. This is locked down. A lot of younger people are probably not watching TV as much. At exactly. All. Right, yeah.
1: So if they're per- if they're pulling the panic button on this, right, then they don't grasp anything that's going on in the world.
2: Because it was really ironic. It was almost right after this too. Then the ads came out that were almost a little negative, like uh, AEW Dynamite and it was say, <clears throat> panic the thing crushes NXT, demolishes NXT.
1: I think what you're going to have to do is look back and see what this week does. Yeah, I think this will be a I very. Think you're going to see it as a very easy bounce back.
2: Yeah, I think this is the week that'll be interesting. NXT has definitely been firing all cylinders, but I think AEW does have a loyal fan base. I think I wouldn't be surprised if AEW catches them and beats them again this week, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. Now, if they lose again and say the number's down then maybe that's what... It depends how down it is, too. Are we talking neck and neck? And I would
1: like to point out that at the shows that we're seeing, the live shows for AEW, they're being smart about the buildings that they're booking. Right. They're being smart about where they're going, and they are filling out those arenas still. Yes. They're selling out very quickly. They're selling a lot of merchandise. I've, over the last couple weeks, believe it or not, in Connecticut, have seen merchandise on people randomly for AEW... And to be in WWE's backyard
2: right.
1: and seeing the AEW merchandise.
2: And to be fair, I mean, one of the problems they could encounter is that, like, I actually did on the flip side of that. I heard they're having trouble selling out a, a building uh, in Ohio, I believe. Which yeah, I don't know fact, how strong. Though,
1: nobody likes Ohio. <laughs> yeah,
2: I don't know how strong that market was. But I will say this, though. One thing they could suffer from, too, is we have wrestling on every night of the week right now, pretty much, too. Yeah.
1: Well, it also depends on where it is in Ohio. There are certain areas of Ohio that are hotbeds. Cincinnati and Cleveland are both hotbeds. Yes, yes, yes. Is Akron, Ohio a hotbed? I have to take a know. look.
2: I don't know. First
1: of all, who wants to live in Akron? That,
2: that's a good
1: point. I can tell you. I've traveled through Akron. <laughs> it's the only town I've ever been in where they have more strip
2: clubs than um, libraries. You know, on that note, now that we buried Ohio, is there, uh, at least Akron, Ohio, is there anything you want to add this week? Well, Ohio, by the way, is
1: the home of Ulysses S. Grant, the birthplace of Ulysses S. Grant. Okay. And it was a president
2: born there. So now that we've buried it and educated <laughs> you about it, is there anything else you want to add left? On <laughs> um, the Wright Brothers also. All right.
1: No, I'm sorry. <laughs> to me, it's just, guys, get out there, continue to support your local independent wrestling. We, as a podcast, we're going to start doing something new over the next few weeks, maybe next couple months. We want to start... the works. Yeah, we want to start getting out to the live independent shows. So if you're fans of us and you have an independent wrestling um, promotion that you're a fan of and that you really want us to check out, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to reach out to us on Twitter. Reach out to us on the Facebook. Reach out to us on Instagram. Email. Email us. Let us know what your favorite independent wrestling group in the Northeast preferably is. Yes. And we're going to go and we're going to check out some of those shows and also, if you have wrestlers on those shows that you really, truly would like us to interview,
2: let us please
1: know. let us know, and we'll reach out to them, and we're going to try and set up those interviews for you.
2: Yes, and if it is in the Northeast, we will definitely try to make it. For those and couple people that maybe watch us in Taiwan, <laughs> we're yeah. probably not going to get there right me wrong. away.
1: <laughs> we appreciate our loyal listener out there in New Zealand, Canada, Taiwan. <laughs> wherever you are, we're, we're appreciate it. we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, wherever you are, we appreciate you. I mean I don't agree with you, usually you add stupid comments in. But no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Also, get a hold of us for our five three ones. Let us know your top five on things, and maybe we can create a five-three one specifically for you. Let us know a topic and we'll debate it.
2: Alright. Alright, that'll be it. Thank you as always. This is Dave the Fan and AJ. We're out. Alright everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast. We got Dave and we got AJ here. We got some subjects for you to discuss. Joe gave me a list of things he wanted to discuss this week. I'm going to start off with the co-presidents leaving WWE and the stock dropping. I want to add to this, too, there's also about to be less house shows. People are not predicting that the revenue coming in is going to be. I mean, obviously, they got the box deal coming in for money. But there's a rumor, too, that the network subscriptions might have dropped. And one of the things had talked about and discussed, and I want to add to this, too, is that NXT is now on USA. And there's a theory and I can kinda of see it. Now with NXT on USA, people who used to just watch NXT on the network are now no longer getting the network for that reason. And I do know someone who
1: actually stopped having the network because he can just watch NXT on USA network now. Yeah, I don't watch anything else on the network. Don't get me wrong, I enjoy watching some of the old wrestling, but I can watch that on YouTube just as easily as I can watch it on the network. Right. And why pay nine ninety nine nine yeah, nine ninety nine a month? if I can watch it for free on YouTube.
2: Yeah, what do you watch? Basically, any big show that
1: might interest you and- Royal to Rumble, UK, what you have- yeah, Royal Rumble, NXT UK, but the big one that we watched every week was NXT and they kept talking about adding these other tiers in where they were going to add other content, but thus far, the WWE hasn't really added any other content. If they were to go out and add some of that other stuff, like, I know they added some Mid-South and stuff of that nature, but if they went deep into those um, libraries to stuff that you can't find on YouTube, then absolutely they would draw me back in. But as of right now, it's... Like promotions like evolve as part of the tier, would help too. Exactly. But right now, they've done nothing to really drive up the business. And
2: would you say the stock dropping is probably coincide with the co-presidents
1: being fired as well? I think it does. I think anytime you have an upheaval like that, especially nobody's really sure exactly what happened. Right. They're not sure why the plan happened. It's not like they had replacements ready to go where they were like, whoa, we're bringing in so-and-so from this big place and they're going to fill the void of Barrios and Wilson. No, it looks like they just all of a sudden said, you know what, we don't need these schmucks.
2: Yeah, to me, it looks like there's a lot of cost-saving measures that are about to happen here.
1: And how much of it has to do with the XFL?
2: That's very interesting. Okay, we'll segue to that then, because one of the things Joe wanted to talk about is the Super Bowl today, and the XFL starts soon. You're more of a sports authority. I will say this about the Super Bowl today, real quick, side note, as it personally relates to me. Rules... And you know, in the bread business, this side of the country we're on are going to be down this year for me because this is the first year in a long time that the New England Patriots are in the Super Bowl. That's well,
1: well, not the biggest Patriots fan, but they do mean good business when they're in the Super Bowl. For me. Here's so, a sports, little a West Coast rivalry. No, I'm on the opposite end of that. Believe it or not, in the restaurant business, the Super Bowl when the Patriots are in it actually hurts us. I believe that. The reason why is because people actually are doing more at home. More more of the grilling, more of the stuff that would bring you business is done when the Patriots are actually in the Super Bowl and they don't go out as much to eat. 100%. I had this discussion
2: this week. I said to someone, I said, you're probably going to hear people say something like, you want to have a Super Bowl party? Hey, eh, your team's not in it.
1: Let's just go out. Exactly. And as much as New Englanders and people in this area claim to be sports fans, they're not really sports fans. They're fans of their teams. It's the same thing when it comes to the Red Sox and the Yankees in baseball. People will go, oh, I'm a baseball fan. And then they say that they're a Red Sox-Yankees fan. And at that moment, I know they probably don't watch any other baseball other than their team. And it's kind of a sad thing in this area. Before you go on a rant. <laughs> Sportsman sports do you think about the XFL coming up? I think the XFL looks interesting. I mean, they're doing something where, similar to the football leagues that use in the World Football League over there in Europe, they're actually keeping a pool of players that are going to be practicing year-round down in Dallas, Texas, and all of the teams will actually be able to draw from this pool when they have injured players or whether they need to fill a spot. So that's kind of an interesting facet. There's only so much information out there so far about the XFL, so I can't really go into rules or any kind of teamwork. I know there's going to be a St. Louis team so I'm going to go for that team in the XFL. Whereas it coincides with wrestling, I think it's going to completely take away from the WWE. I think that they're investing money into that that I know it's supposed to be Vince's money going towards it, but I think they are drawing money from the WWE to go towards it and I think that that's one of the reasons why they made the budgetary cuts that they made. We talk about oversaturation in wrestling a
2: lot. talked about, I've had the same conversation with friends of MMA, oversaturation, how there's too much of everything. Last week, me and Ken Anderson had a talk about this. Where we talked about oversaturated stuff in general and entertainment. You're more of a football, I am a football fan, but you
1: can relate just a little more than I do. You're a sports fan is just this more oversaturation it's complete oversaturation and as a plug real quick before I talk about that oversaturation anybody who hasn't listened to the interview last week with Ken Anderson needs to actually go back into our archives and listen to that because Dave hit it out of the park there it sounded a lot more like two friends sitting down and talking and it's by far the best interview that I've heard on our program that being said oversaturation in football absolutely no other football league has ever worked whether Whether it's the AFL, whether it's Canadian Football League, whether it's the World Football League, no other football league has actually worked because there's only so much time that your wife's going to let you get away to watch football.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the great things about football is that you get basically, you know, 17 weeks a year, and then they go into playoffs, and then you got to wait. And I think there's not enough of that wait anymore. I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wish them the best of luck. I hope they can make it different and make it succeed. But the first
1: thing I think of, like almost anything nowadays, is over-saturation. I mean, the good news for me is I'm a Jets fan, so I get plenty of waiting time.
2: <laughs> All right, switching gears. Another thing, Joe, want to talk about is the company beyond wrestling. Joe's more familiar with these guys. I've seen a few shows live. I know AJ wants to get out there. He's a guy. We've watched a little bit, but there's some good stuff on Beyond Wrestling, but they're going through a name change, they're going to be Beyond Championship Wrestling, and they're adding a heavyweight title. Now the thing about this AJ, which you might I know, is they've never had belts on the show. One of the big things about them is they just try to do a lot of dream independent matches, which separates them and makes them kind of different. And they try to put on a real quality show with a lot of different things: comedy, hardcore, great technical wrestling. So I, I guess the argument might be that you know by t- putting a title on there, that maybe they're getting away from who they are. But to me, as a purist, one of the things, and I, I think we're going to agree on this, is like I like there being a world champion in a promotion. You don't have to have a ton of titles, but having that one
1: belt, the world championship, I, I think it's pretty special. Alright, so I'm torn on this. One thing is, you know, I I agree with you in the sense that every uh, place does need a championship, every organization needs a championship. However, the name itself, Beyond Championship Wrestling, does that sound like they're saying that they're beyond needing championships? Which kind of hints to almost like what they've been doing in the past. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So they're kind of contradicting themselves in their name by putting it in that order. I, well, I'm not...
2: It's not his, I could say you're putting a little too much thought into that, but I, I see where you're going. I no, no. Agree, but, I can
1: see that. but But my reason for putting the thought into that is because I'm pro for the championship. I don't think they need the name change.
2: Yeah, fair enough. I, I would that. I that. Why change the name? I, I don't know. I, I'd have to look into it. Maybe this is where Joe would be able to add a little something here, but... To me, off the top of my head, they have a real established identity as Beyond Wrestling. It's not a great, drastic change, so I don't think it's going to affect anything, but it just seems almost kind of unnecessary. I'm sure they have
1: plans. I mean, I I can also see the thought as to why they're doing it. It's much easier to put merchandise out there, like a t-shirt or something, with BCW or something like that than it All is right. to... So, so maybe that has, maybe they want the chant, BCW, BCW.
2: I, I, I uh, there might be I'm more gonna, to it. No we're going we're gonna to segue off this and Joe's last I have a topic I want to bring up Jim, but Joe's last topic, which I feel like we've talked about a little bit before, but he wrote down this week is he watches AEW every week and he hadn't really been watching NXT. but you know due to personal stuff going on, Joe had the week off and he decided to watch NXT. And he wrote down, NXT, better wrestling, AEW, better sports entertainment. I think this is something else we've talked about in the past that we agree on. NXT, unfortunately, and this is something I want to say maybe I heard Brian Alvarez talk about too. Unfortunately for them, the WWE has positioned them in a way that they've always seen as the feeder league still. And without the main roster talent, I feel like their ratings are going to be where they are right now. That being said, if you watch NXT and you put them side by side with AEW, they're a better, pure wrestling show. And I know this because I'm talking to a guy who watches AEW first every week. And I want you to tell me if I'm wrong here. And it's not that he doesn't know that NXT is probably going to be a better show week after week. This guy is doing it out of pure support for something that is not Vince McMahon's. <laughs> he blames
1: Vince McMahon for running the Crockett promotions out of business. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, there's more to it than that. He ran every. I'm it, but I'm not far off. He, he ran every every territory out of business.
3: love you out of business too.
1: <laughs> but. AEW right now, I do support first, and you know that I will always support anything non-Vince McMahon first. Yes, you will. But the re- there's more to it than that. Um, one of the reasons why I think it's more important to support AEW, which is not the better wrestling pro- product, and you know I'm a wrestling purist, you know I prefer the right. wrestling. And that's my point. If
2: somebody who's just gonna support AEW first and openly does that is telling you the other show has a better wrestling product, That should tell people who aren't giving NXT a chance, give it a chance, guys. You don't have to watch it first, but maybe, you know, DVR and try to watch it. Well, that's just it. To
1: to give fans an idea as to how much I like NXT and how great the wrestling is on NXT, if it didn't have the level that it has, I wouldn't tune in. No, you're definitely making an effort that uh, is hard for you at this point in your life, and you do that because
2: you like what they're doing, especially with the women wrestling? And they by far have the best women wrestling on any show right
1: now. To give you an idea as to how much I support Wednesday night wrestling, my schedule typically on Wednesdays is to get home after 12 hours of work, I drive about an hour home, (laughs) and then I watch AEW, and then I still stay up and watch NXT before going to sleep. I think ultimately, too, I think we would both like to see
2: the Wednesday night audience whether it was AEW getting like a 2.5 rating and NXT getting a 1.5 rating, like in a perfect world, we like to see that joint audience on Wednesday
1: and that audience overtake Monday and Friday. Well, to show you how good NXT has been, what did you think this week of Raw?
2: I like the an angle with Edge and Orton. I thought that was phenomenal.
1: Yep. And everybody agrees with that.
2: Yeah. But what did you think of the show? I thought it was kind of just there. I mean, there wasn't anything that really stuck out. I didn't hate anything this week, you know, but there was nothing like, really,
1: to, like... But you came off of, you came off of, and I think we, we agreed on this last yes. week, you came off of a very good Royal Rumble. Right. A Royal Rumble that that did not disappoint. Nope. Pe- people enjoyed it. It was very exciting. So we come off of that Royal Rumble. We have an opportunity to build momentum. We got a very average show and we got average at best. And I don't think that we would even remember it as average if it wasn't for the closing angle.
2: Right, right. Yeah, no, it's fair. You know, whereas Wednesday, NXT had the dusty classic finals done in Riddle. You know, I'll say this honestly. (laughs) Wednesday Night Wrestled this week from AEW XT, I would not say it was one of the better shows that either company had. That being said, it was still better than anything else we watched all week. Yeah, and. Off weeks, they're still putting out really good shows.
1: Exactly. And still, the chemistry I wanted to mention real quick the chemistry with Dunn and Riddle, absolutely off the charts.
2: Yeah, they're phenomenal.
1: (laughs) Riddle plays the absolute badass but silly guy so well off of Dunn's straight-laced um, to-the-point guy. Right, yeah, no, 100%. Now, I don't know if there's going to be eventual eventual like, turn there. I think there will be. But I also think that Dunn and Riddle might end up winning the tag belts on the next TakeOver because I'm kind of wondering if that's the direction they're going with Undisputed Era. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I think that eventually they've got to go somewhere else with Undisputed Era. And I'm enjoying Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights yeah, too. T- I will say this, now we talked about it too. One other thing I really enjoyed was Ciampa basically telling
2: Adam Cole that he was going to put him through the table and then sign a contract and did exactly what he said he was going to do, even down to putting an X right on the table.
1: Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I love the two of them working together. Like we talked about with most exciting wrestlers last week on that 5 3 1, Adam Cole is on fire. Tommaso Ciampa also on fire, so the combination of the two of them, how could you go wrong?
2: And I'll give a little shot to AEW before we got our next segment. A couple things that stuck out I really like in the opening. Oh, help
1: me out here. Who was SCU wrestling this week? Oh, God. And Helico? I cannot remember his partner's name. In Helico? Jack Evans. Uh, Jack Evans, yeah, sorry.
2: Okay. Wait, what, what was going on there? What was the beatdown angle? Was that Were they beating down the Bucks? for the Bucks wrestling?
1: Was that or cheese? Who was that? What was going on there? Well, the Bucks ended up wrestling. They actually won their match. They wrestled. Oh, God. Now I'm going blank again. Jesus Christ.
2: Too
1: much wrestling on <laughs> uh, that That's the problem. But the, but, the I want to
2: say, the, port, the part I remember more than anything was Hangman Page coming down, handing one of the Bucks... His drink. And then hit <laughs> that that Oh, that was one of the highlights of the
1: show. Ha- Hangman Page's character is developing so much, he's yeah. one of the highlights of the show every week. Yeah, he did. So I
2: apologize for being easy to break it out on, uh, on this segment, but we watched a lot of wrestling this week and a lot's been going on. Oh,
1: God, I can't even tell you how many hours of wrestling I watched this week. And,
2: and another thing I really enjoyed, too, that uh, was actually was, again, I, and this, this actually plays into our point about wrestling versus segments. We can tell you about big storylines in NXT and wrestling, but with AEW, it's more like entertainment aspect. I enjoyed to hold my beer while I do this. And the other thing I really enjoyed was Kit Sabian, who was wrestling Cody, but in a spot in a match, him and Penelope go to kiss each
1: other, and Joey Janela comes out of the crowd and sticks And they back. each kiss a cheek. Yes.
2: he so kiss the cheek, then he gives him the finger
1: and walks out. It's just tremendous. Now, wait a minute. Not only was that great, but how about Iron Anderson getting thrown out of the match and actually making it look like it meant something?
2: That was good. He also did the little stomach bump thing, kind of a la, like any college basketball or football coach. <laughs> but but it actually
1: meant more because of what Penelope Ford was actually doing ringside. Absolutely. They did a great job with that. I want to go. I don't want to overdo it. We uh, we want one little
2: subject here. MLW this week announced a uh, relationship with Dragon Gate Wrestling. Now what's interesting to know about this, if you don't follow MLW, we talk about it. Joe's in the works of trying to put a MLW <laughs> review show where we go back and look at historic episodes from the beginning to now. Joe's got some notes on this thing, so you should see it. Like, it's like three years worth of notes. This is his baby. Like, Court Bauer needs to hire this kid.
1: You realize if Court Bauer, Bauer hires him, we lose him, right?
2: Well <laughs> we'll try to stack it. We'll try to stack a job too if we can. Court Bauer, if you're out there. <laughs> MLW's got this relationship with Dragon Gate. They already have a relationship with AAA, To me, man, this is just so smart, like With AEW out there, and WWE out there, and so much competition, like, to reach out to have an international agreement with the top promotion in Mexico, and the top promotion available you can work with in Japan, I would say Dragon Gate is second to New Japan, but New
1: Japan isn't going to be doing business with MLW when they... Are trying to reach out to the states. Okay, so we talk every week about... We talk every week about ML... Uh, about uh, Sorry, NXT being the best wrestling on TV. And we do a little injustice when we say that every week. Because MLW Fusion, week after week, puts out a great product.
2: and yeah, I would say, too, if you didn't see it this week yet, MJF, and one of his final performances, he might have another match left, but it's coming towards the end. He wrestles Marshall Von Eric on his way to the ring he spits his gum out at a fan who wants to shake his hand. He high-faces another guy, <laughs> he rips up somebody's side, and then he makes some girl like uh, kiss him on his cheek if she's going to do a selfie, and then doesn't do the selfie anyway, and walks away. <laughs> yeah. That's a, 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 this is some uh, of old-school heel shit that you shouldn't probably be able to get away with now, and he does it, and it works fantastically. Oh, MJF's one of the best out there. Oh, one more thing, because I think you'll appreciate this. MJF, Cuts a promo, too, before this match starts about the Von Erics And he said that Marshall and everything are just going to be a bust. And it doesn't matter because all the Von Erics are known for tragedies. And after tonight, it's just going to be another Von Erich six feet under.
1: Yeah, MJF just says whatever he wants. He does. It's incredible. That's I'm sure he cleared that with the Von Erics before saying that. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but... There's a reason why he's as over as he is with the boys and with the fans, and it's because uh, he does smart business every time. He doesn't just say throwaway things. He, I mean, for Christ's sakes, Diamond Dallas Page came out a few weeks ago and was gonna wrestle him, and he's talking about Diamond Dallas Page's
2: daughter. For Christ's sakes! Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I touched off a little bit, but like we talked about, Killer Cross, you were gonna mention Killer Cross to me. If people haven't seen this guy yet, he's somebody you need to check out. He's got an amazing look. His stuff looks great in the ring. And you look at him and you think, "Oh, this guy's going to be a big powerhouse." But his
1: promos are almost like the better better part of that. No, he's phenomenal. We you know, we've seen him everywhere from Blood Sport to um, all kinds of events, and he just brings it every time. All right, is there anything else you want to talk about this one? No, I think we covered everything. I think it's going to be another barn burner of a show, folks. Hey, guys, if you're out there and you're tuning into podcasts and you love wrestling the way that we do, you're not going to find a podcast where we, they're more passionate about wrestling than the Working Fans podcast. Every week we bring to you the best interviews in wrestling. My man Dave deep dives into it with legends such as Nikita Koloff, Ricky Morton, Ken Anderson. He's just bringing it time and time again. Al Snow. And we bring to you legitimate points of view like Bob Cook. People who just don't know what they're going to say. And we get stuff out of those interviews that you don't get from other places. So please, tune in every week and listen because you don't know what you're going to get from the Working Fans Podcast.
2: Which reminds me, no interview this week, but they're coming, folks. So thanks for the plug anyway, AJ. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <That's> perfect timing.
2: <laughs> perfect timing. But no, we, we have a laundry list of interviews out there. A lot of other guys, too, that are coming up, like Richard Holiday and John Silver, who's part of the Dark Order with AEW now. Uh, we interviewed him a while back, too. So we definitely are getting quite the list of interviews on our resume, so well, if you haven't checked us out. I think
1: one of the things that people need to know, and it's something that obviously we let Joe talk about, but... Unfortunately, here in our family, we, and we are a family on the Working Fans Podcast, we had a loss last week. And Joe, our producer's father, ended up passing away last week. So we focused a little bit more on family stuff this week and focused more on the things that truly matter when it comes to life in general. And while we do have a deep love of wrestling and it is something we're passionate about, Joe and his family are in our prayers right now. And please, all the listeners out there, make sure that you do the same for us because it's very important that we let Joe know how much we care.
2: Yep, and some, some did actually support, send out some support this week. Jay, Zach, Randy, and a, a few others that I might be forgetting. So thank you
5: guys. And I think that's it for this week for the Working Fans Podcast. And we're out. Later. Okay. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans podcast. It's Dave with AJ calling in. We're talking NXT Takeover. AJ, did you get to watch this event last night?
0: I am so fired up to talk about this event. I wish we could have talked about it last night, right after the show. This was the best pay per view of the year so far.
5: Yeah, I gotta agree. I heard some people talking about it, like there might be better matches this year somewhere, but I don't know if there'll be a better overall card. Like this was just if great. If there to was talk a better.
0: If there was a better overall card of wrestling this year, I would have loved to have seen it. And yes, Dave Meltzer, I know it must have happened in Japan.
5: <laughs> he actually put this card over. He was saying it was the best card he saw this year too. So lot kind of thumbs up. Why don't we start off at the beginning? Keith Lee versus Dijack. I don't necessarily know this was as good as their other matches, but it was still phenomenal. The stuff they do. And beyond that too, we get so lost in these guys and the big men moving around like cruiserweights, but Keith Lee's selling it, for me in particular. It's just phenomenal.
0: So here's the thing to me about the difference between them and the cruiserweights when they do it. It's not just the fact that they're both in that dy- dyjax, uh 280 pounds and Keith Lee's 325. That's impressive, but it's the fact that they tell a story while they're doing it. The fact that they're actually telling the story and making you buy into it, I mean, I'm truly worried that these two guys are going to kill. Kyle O'Reilly is a a freaking superstar. This kid is on fire in the ring. Not only does he have the personality, but his freaking moveset is absolutely insane.
5: Yeah, not uh, very few that are better, I think, than O'Reilly. Very underrated. Could be a star someday, a single star, if he's given the right chance. I hope he gets it. He probably is safer at NXT, (laughs) um, but... We'll see what happens. I, I definitely hope you, big things for that guy.
0: I'm telling you, you put long hair, a beard on him, and give him the tagline, baby, he's on fire.
5: Okay. <laughs> All right. So we wrap things up for the world title. It's Champa versus Cole. The crowd is into it. It's crazy. I thought it went a little too long, but also like it didn't kill it. It was still. A- Tremendous match. Man. I don't think it
0: went too long. I think it just started too early. started <laughs>
5: too early, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it took a lot of crazy bumps. Ciampa sold his neck a few times. Excellent in this match. Some people I was watching this with were concerned about him, and I thought it was just great selling on his part. In the end, Gargano comes out and hits Ciampa with the belt to help Cole get the victory, and it looks like we're going to be going to – the takeover for Mania that's going to be Gargano versus Ciampa. I don't know. What did you think of the match? And what do you think of the booking going forward, what we're going to see? Well, I
0: think with this match, the big thing was is that Ciampa didn't oversell the neck. He sold it like it was almost like a little stinger or tingling. Mm -hmm. He didn't sell it where he was like stopping his feet on the ground, like, oh, crap, I broke my neck. He didn't oversell it. He sold it more like a concern. Like, oh, shit, a little numbness in my arm, a little – I thought it was freaking tremendous. Ciampa's the man. Adam Cole wrestled his ass off also. Those two guys, anytime they want to put this match together again, absolutely phenomenal.
5: Okay. Um, I got a take for you. I want to try something on for you. Is Ciampa legit beat up, and is this possibility that this is going to be an angle with Ciampa and Gargano, careers on the line, and this is going to be Ciampa's last match coming up? Wow. Just throwing it out there. Wow. Wow. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, he, I mean, it could be. He whips Why around at times. Yeah.
0: Why else would they turn Gargano heel again when the heel didn't really work the last time?
5: I feel like they want to put the conclusion on this rivalry. It's the biggest NXT rivalry they ever had. Now, I have heard another theory that maybe they're going to do, like, a three-way title match with these two and Cole. I don't see that. You know, or a four-way would Finn, too, obviously. But I mean, it could happen. I think this is leading to the conclusion of Champa and Gargano. Now, I would normally say a loser you but do you, but do you really
0: think it? But do you really think it's the end of Champa's career?
5: I don't. But here's the thing: both guys have been outspoken. They don't want to go to the main roster.
0: Oh my god!
5: So Gargano ain't going wow. nowhere. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll yeah. see what happens.
0: Now you got me thinking, holy shit. I hope I hope not.
5: Yeah, no, I don't want to have either. I've just throwing it out there as a hot take. I've seen much like you said with Fish, I've noticed Ciampa is still performing at a higher level, but Ciampa I've seen him limp around at times. Well that's what He's I was gonna say. To Chompa,
0: I actually was gonna go in there. I was gonna say it's not like Ciampa's wrestling like Bobby Fish. No. <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah, he looked really good. I mean, that match if it's not for the proser weights, that's probably my favorite match of the night. Actually, yeah. Dakota Kai, I, I want to take this back. I want to go back to something. Dakota Kai, I made the joke about the shorts and stuff like that. That match to me was absolutely insane. I love that match. Yeah. We don't have to deep dive back into that match. But no. to me, that's one of the best women's matches I've seen. I you enjoyed know that more than more than freaking Ripley and L M.
5: And you know what? And that's the great thing about this card. We had tremendous matches all around. That a lot of people probably would say Cole and Champa or Gargano and Bauer, you're saying Dakota and Tegan. I'm saying the Grosawaits versus, you know, Fish and O'Reilly. There's just so many good matches to choose from on this card that from a wrestling standpoint, they really give you a little bit of effort. Well, that's just it. It
0: made me not want to
5: pick a favorite. Right. The card
0: was so good all around that by picking a favorite from other great matches. And I'm not, because there wasn't a match on the card where I'm like, oh, Christ, I want to fast forward this one.
5: Right. You know what I mean? No, no, it was all good stuff.
0: Whereas even with the Royal Rumble, which was a good card by the WWE standards lately, there's still times where I find myself fast-forwarding.
5: Right, right. No, I see what you mean. So I think that about wraps up our review. Is there anything else you want to get out about this card or go in future?
0: I just can't wait for Wednesday to see where the stuff is going to go. Charlotte Flair is uh, freaking absolutely amazing to be able to do the things that she does and the presence that she has, the fact that her and Finn Balor are literally saying, we want a piece of NXT, NXT is on fire.
5: Yeah. And
0: I, I just want to know, and obviously I'm somebody who watches AEW, you know that. How are they losing the rating war?
5: <laughs> well, I think somebody hit it on the head. unfortunately, unfortunately, the WWE, even though despite recent Survivor Series, They've had many years where they made this look like this is the, the feeder brand. You know, they're the main roster. And, unfortunately, perception becomes reality sometimes in other people's eyes. And I don't think NXT gets the chance, the viewing chance. Nick Foley once said so, that he thought that in the Monday Night Wars, they had overcome creatively for a while before they actually started winning the ratings wars.
0: So, I have a question for you. Sure. And maybe I'm far off base here. But do you think part of it is also, right now we know Vince McMahon's not doing NXT. Right. So obviously, you know, hey, tuning in, it's a great product, it's fantastic. Do you think part of the problem is is that the people who would normally tune in and watch NXT are nervous watching the product and getting invested because they're afraid if it gets too over that Vince McMahon will have something to do with it. And will ruin the product that they that they now absolutely love.
5: Here's a hard truth for fans like me and you to have to swallow. At the end of the day, the combined audience between NXT and AEW has grown, but it's also gone down a little bit at times too. It hovers around 700 to 900 thousand range, given whatever yeah. show. Usually AEW's up, what? but that, yeah. I, Unfortunately, well, Raw yeah. and SmackDown are the higher rated shows.
0: Yeah, how much ratings does SmackDown get right now?
5: They're in the twos, the mid twos, on a network TV show, though. So that's probably a little bigger.
0: Now, do you think, but do you think part of that, and obviously USA does Raw and does... NXT. AEW, I mean, and does NXT, and then TNT does AEW. Do you think with them being more obscure networks, even though they're not completely obscure... Do you think that that affects it, and do you think that the fact that the viewing public is so used to watching Raw, that that affects it?
5: I think you hit that. As far as Monday night goes, yes. I think that's the night people watch wrestling. I said this before. If you put AEW on Monday night, they got a chance at taking on Raw. I think there's more people watching wrestling on Monday night.
0: Well, I think part of the problem is that, especially as men, we've conditioned our wives to understand that we're going to watch wrestling on Monday night. Right. (laughs) Anybody who's been with us for a long time and knows we're wrestling fans, is going to know, okay, they watch wrestling on Monday night. How hard is it to now go to your wife and say, hey, by the way, I'm going to watch two hours of wrestling on Wednesday night now.
5: Right. (laughs) Or can we change Monday to Wednesday? <laughs> you know?
0: it, it, exactly. It's almost like a Pavlov's dog thing where you have him com- freaking um, conditioned to be a lot understanding. Because I could tell you, my wife is pissed off that I'm watching that much wrestling. Oh, yeah. She's like, absolutely. what the hell? You used to only watch three hours of wrestling. Now you're watching seven hours of wrestling and you're tuning in for SmackDown. So you're at nine hours of wrestling during the week.
5: <laughs> yes. Now that AJ's buried his wife, <laughs> talked about women being like dogs, <laughs> I think this is a
2: great segue to say, we're the Working Fans Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed this segment. <laughs> Alright everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they called Dave, and I'm here with AJ Strange Brew, and today we got another Dave versus AJ segment where we're talking who was the better horseman, is it? Who? Not Ric Flair. <laughs> There'd be no argument. Tully Blanchard? Or is it that uh, big, bad, tall, lanky son of a bitch from Sweetwater, Texas, the man with the float over superplex, Barry Windham?
4: For a minute, I thought you were on Bob Orton. I, mean, I don't remember Bob Orton being a member of the
2: horse. <laughs> he wasn't, but Barry had to... Actually, both guys had to. two of the better suplexes we don't see anymore. Tully with the slingshot suplex... And Barry with the float over superplex, nobody floated over like Barry Wyndham. And he would do it in a regular superplex too. AJ, I gave you, of course, the gentleman debate. You chose Barry, state your case. Why is Barry the better horseman than Tully? I know you love both these guys.
4: This one's actually one of the harder debates because we're actually comparing two of the best at what they did compared to when we normally are
2: basically contemplating who is the worst piece of shit. <laughs> so, it's kind of an interesting debate. By the way, folks, AJ's going on about three hours sleep today, so he's a little cranky than normal, but that's all right.
4: <laughs> I think that'll add to the discussion.
2: Sure. Um,
4: I, I think Barry Wyndham's at his best here. I think that this is the best version of Barry Wyndham. I think babyface Barry Wyndham, even though he had all the talent and all the wrestling in the world, ability-wise, was... Unfortunately, not always enjoyable and exciting to watch. Mm. I don't know about you, but when Barry Windham turned on Dusty Rhodes and became a horseman, it added an edge mm. to him that he really needed. I can only watch so much of the U.S. connection with him and breaking mm. him Mike Sitando, or Mike Rotunda, if you prefer. Mm. Um, I do. During that time period. <laughs> to me, watching Barry Wyndham, the baby face, was just very bland when he switched over and had JJ J. J. Dillon with him. All of a sudden, he's wearing the black glove, he's cheating, mm. he's underhanded things, and he still wasn't saying a lot. He just was all of a sudden doing actions that you wouldn't expect from him, and he did it with such an edge that I think this is the best Barry Window. Mm. And I think that, quite frankly, the horseman at this time, even without Oi. only. I think is the best horseman. So, to me, it's hard. You do value Tully, but Tully was always the next level down from Ric Flair. He was the heel that was just so close to being over the top, but just couldn't quite get there. And I think that he didn't take his role in the Horsemen. Quite as well as Barry. I
2: think Barry accepted that he wasn't going to be the main man, Hmm. but accepted what he needed to do. So I think he was just a better horseman. I like that that qualifies as a better horseman. You knew to sit back and recognize that Ric Flair was going to be the man, which is why Sting wasn't a very good horseman. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is why Iron Anderson, besides Ric Flair, is the greatest horseman of all time because he knew. Would be damn right. <laughs> I want to take exception to one of the things you said. Uh, as far as Rotunda, I like to call him by his given name, Erlin Erlin. <laughs> that, oh, <laughs> that's oh just God, me. Right <laughs> all right. The other thing I would say—it's interesting about these arguments here—is that uh, one of the votes I got for uh, Barry was actually for that reason you talked about, that his turn on uh, Dusty was so impactful in his entrance to Horseman. Now, the flip side of this, too, is some of the votes for Tully was because I think he was... Here's the funny thing about that, right? Almost everybody that said the votes for Tully were actually all would say... In fact, unanimously, all would say... Except for one. I'll get to that later. uh, All would say Barry was a better overall performer. Oh, I'm a big Barry fan. But they just said, ah, uh, Tully was more the horseman, they thought. And I think, because you look at it, you compare the top two horsemen, and I think this is universal. It's the original horseman, and then it's the horseman with Barry, right? So, because, like, Luger, I think, got into the horseman right before Barry, and I think he was out, and then Barry turned on Luger, right? Yeah, because, yeah, Luger became the baby face, and Barry turned on Luger, too. match. Right. And so... match against
4: the horseman when... Um... Hmm. Barry acted like he, Luger slighted him
2: yes. and left him for dead. And nobody ever says, my point to that was that the sequel to The Horseman was the best one. It's that third incarnation of The Horseman that everybody likes. And certainly not the ones years after. It's Barry or the original one. So that's a great point. Barry is a huge difference maker. Well,
4: for whatever reason, I don't even think people think of Luger as a horseman.
2: Yeah. Even though he was in the second incarnation, he was. I don't think what people think of uh, Luger as a horseman I think for whatever reason they glaze
3: straight over that it's like Sid people mm. don't think of Sid as a horseman even though he was in the fourth version of him yeah. then I think
4: that the two of them are more thought of for their singles screws, whereas Barry Windham for whatever reason even though he <coughs> held multiple major championships he is thought of as a horseman And Tully Blanchard is thought
2: of as a horseman. You know what's funny, too? That's one thing, though. You're right. And that's kind of um, a thing, maybe because we're both Barry Windham fans. I see that. Right. Yeah, Barry is thought more of a horseman. But that's also kind of a slight. People don't tend to give the credit to Barry that he deserves. Not for his ability, but for the fact that even though Barry, like, didn't win that great big world title one like he would have liked, a lot of people don't even recognize How successful he truly was. Like, he was right there. Multiple U.S. title reigns. He did have a version of the NWA world title. Like, Barry was, like, just there, but it's not really talked about too much. Well, the other major difference between, and I know we're not debating Luger and Barry, we're debating Tully and Barry. Yeah.
4: But the other major difference between when Barry became a horseman and when Luger became a horseman was... Is people didn't know who the hell Lugo was when he had come up from Florida. He was a big muscle guy, and yeah, that was impressive. Mm. But people really didn't know who he was. Right. Whereas when Barry did that turn, it was very impactful. Sure. People knew who he was from the WWF. People knew who he was from his time in the NWA. He was a major babyface next to Dusty Rhodes. He might have Magnum TA. He might have been the top babyface next to those two guys. So it was incredibly impactful when he became a horseman. Whereas Tully Blanchard was there in the indoctrination of the horseman and was already a heel. So, once again, it wasn't necessarily impactful when Tully became a horseman. It was just, okay, yeah, he's one of those guys.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, like you said, Barry had a lot of recognition. He even teamed in the first WrestleMania with IRS. So, I mean, obviously, a huge yeah. deal there. I know you know some of me a bit, but you love the fact that I'm referring to Mike Rotundo as IRS. The true, you know, any true fan of Mike Rotundo, sidebar here, likes to think of him as Erwin R. Scheister. I like
4: to think of him as the father of Bray
2: Wyatt. Yes, he's that too. Actually, uh, sidebar on Rotundo again, real quick. Your favorite incarnation of Rotundo? Florida Championship Wrestling, Mike Rotunda. Okay. I thought you might have said the varsity squad. You were actually a low-key big fan. I
4: do like the varsity
2: squad. Yeah. I think that it is good. But once again, that's not really... It was focusing on the group. Sure. Sure.
4: Uh, I know that he was the focal point as far as the in-ring performing. But to me, the focus of that was actually Kevin
2: Sullivan. So, getting back to the uh, subject at hand here. Barry versus Tully. Okay, so... Now, you didn't know what we're talking about, as usual, today, and uh, I gave you the opportunity, and I had already saw the votes for this. I only polled about, I, I never poll a lot of people, just try to get a nice uneven number so we have a winner, because we fucked that up one time, <laughs> um, and I got about five people uh, out of voted on this, all right? Now, when I came up with this idea, I, like you, love both of these guys, but gun to my head... I'm truly more of a Barry Wyndham fan, which is <laughs> more like you. I actually
3: think Tully's
4: one of the best heels Same. ever to be in the business, because he's a natural heel. Yeah. I think that he just draws attention to himself, and
2: he does have that cocky swagger. For someone who's only about five foot 5'10", um, he had good power in the ring, great technology, yes. and coming
3: from a wrestling family, absolutely
4: phenomenal at Ring Psychology.
2: So, uh, underrated on the power because I mean, to do that slingshot suplex, he used to do on some of the people he would do, like he had to have some strength to be all pull off some of that.
4: One of the reasons why you don't see the slingshot, slingshot suplex anymore is because of the amount of power that it takes to be able to get somebody going in that other direction.
3: Hit them, you got to hit them on the quads. If right, you don't hit the legs on the quads, it's going to be
4: incredibly hard to get them back over. And into the suplex position, you see Cesaro do a version of it when he's lifting people from outside the ring to, and how hard that is. And that's not a
2: slingshot; that's just a deadlift. Don't get me wrong, right? But it's almost a similar
4: amount of power that Tully had to use to get people going in one direction and then back in the other direction.
2: I think so one it's of the reasons
4: a lot smaller than Cesaro.
2: I think one of the people. one of the reasons why people don't like to use it. Probably, is it's also not the smoothest looking move. But I, that's one of the why I like it. One of the reasons it's not utilized because
4: people don't like getting dropped on their groin on the freaking top rope and then moonshot
2: um, it into a suplex. Yeah, I totally probably did probably give those enhancement guys a lot of choice on what they were going to do. What are you saying? Hey, you wore your cup, right? <laughs> so, I'm going to make an MMA comparison. MMA comparison here sometimes or even boxing, really close fights will be a split decision. But every once in a while, there's a close fight. It's not really a split decision. All the judges unanimously agreed on this one guy won the fight, but it's just because the judges got it right and they realized every round was close. That's kind of what this was. It was four to one, but everybody that voted for one guy basically said the other guy was like right there, and it was hard to make this decision. That guy who was the better horseman was totally blanchered by this vote. I'm not surprised by that. That's
4: no. one of the reasons I picked Barry.
2: Well, here's all right. I'm going to make it... If you're in the second vote, I'm going to make it a third vote. I'm voting for Barry, too. Because <laughs> I actually like Barry. So, fuck the world. However, we will go with the honor. It is four to is 4-3. We'll give it to Tully. But I just wanted the record to be known. Well,
4: you can give it to Tully. I'm still going to give it to Barry.
2: <laughs> I thought... Okay, the people gave it to Tully.
4: <laughs> As we know, while we take the people's vote into consideration, at the end of the day... Fuck the
2: people. Yeah, at the end of the day, you're right. I'm more of a Barry <laughs> fan. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry, Randy. <laughs> Randy was the one guy who didn't even like add anything to it. He just said definitely Tully. <laughs> but uh, now, let's be clear about this, Randy.
4: When it comes to having taste and who are his favorites is a true genius
2: hmm. <laughs> in pitching
4: people to
2: support. He so likes you. He, Randy
4: Oscar opinion to me is absolutely gold. <laughs> However, in this instance, it's
2: Barry Wendell. Barry Wendell, yeah. Randy also has a huge biasness towards the Blanchard family, so I'm not surprised there, too. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to be it. Uh, the people gave it to Tully. We did not. <laughs> We're giving it to Barry. And uh, that's it for Dave versus AJ. We're the Working Fans Podcast. We're out.